Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parentingpodcast. As your children get older, they're going to be facing bigger decisions about um, first car, job, uh, where to go to college maybe, or what vocation to go into, who to marry. Um, If they're like me, they are probably going to ask at some point, 16, 17, 18, how can I know God's will for my life? Uh, I'm John Fuller, along with Danny Huerta, who leads our parenting department here at Focus on the Family. And Danny, God's not always so clear about difficult decisions. He doesn't always give an obvious answer. Uh, I struggled with that a lot. His will for our lives, though, is clear in Scripture, his general will. Why don't you take a run at answering that question? (laughs) That's the million-dollar question, right? What's God's will for me in my life? And uh, we know uh, the central theme to that, and he wants us to trust him wholeheartedly no matter what decision we make. And he wants relationship with us, knowing that we will fail and we will be sinners, yet we can come and reconnect with our Heavenly Father, and He will guide us along the way. We seek wisdom from Him. That's His will. We, we follow the commands He's given us throughout Scripture. We seek wisdom with everything we've got, even more than money. That part of the will is definitely uh, secured. But within culture, a lot of our kids get the message that you have a soulmate, that you have all these things planned out for you, and there's no room for you to waver from that decision. And really, yeah, you, might miss, you might miss God's will. Even with moments of failure, yeah. even with moments of pain, we get to grow and we get to grow even closer to our Heavenly Father at times in those dark moments and to uh, learn how to trust in God and receive his grace and forgiveness. I mean, we see in Scripture, it says, in your weakness, you're made strong in Christ. And so let's teach our kids that and help them really search the will of Christ in their life in a relational way, mm-hmm. not in a behavioral success way that yeah. culture tells us to look for. Yeah, I've come to the point where I believe he gives us a great deal of latitude on a lot of decisions, but he does want our heart. Yeah. And uh, let's go ahead and hear a little bit more about that kind of perspective. Jim Daly and I talked with Ray Vanderlaan, who is a Bible teacher and historian and Ray talked about the story of David and Goliath from the scriptures. Uh, You know, Ray, Gene and I had the privilege a couple of years ago to visit the Holy Land with you, and the scriptures just came alive there. And it made me realize there's so much more we need to understand about the Jewish culture in scripture, what their world was like, and how they thought about Abraham or Moses. Uh, It's a different perspective than we have in Western culture. I want to begin today by looking at the life of David. Everybody rightly loves David and the story of David and Goliath. His courage as a young boy um, set the story up for us with the Jewish context. Okay. Maybe I could give a little bit of context of why that story matters so much in my own experience in life. When we started this project of That the World May Know, that was a phrase I found in David's confrontation with Goliath. He said, I'm going to throw this stone that the world may know there is a God in Israel. And I thought... That idea captures the essence of the biblical story. We read our Bibles, and it's obvious that God created a beautiful world. Sin came and messed it up, and God worked through this whole process to send his son 
to fix that brokenness and restore our relationship to God. And so we sort of end there sometimes, at least I do. But God's purpose was not only to save folks because he loved them. God's purpose was to save folks so they could become his living picture of what it looks like if God is in charge of your life. So God's people were called to live every single thing they did, like you guys. When you're in school, when you have friends, when you have a job, when you interact on the soccer field, every single thing you do in God's mind is a way to say to the world, watch what it looks like when you play soccer as someone who is serving God in everything I do. So that motive of living, because I'm saved, that the world may know there is a God in heaven, is the heart of what, in my opinion, a Jewish person would say the godly life is like. And I found that in David. Somehow, at his young age, and that's the second reason I love that story so much, because the way the text seems to describe him, David is probably younger than you guys. I doubt he was a high school senior. He's probably a high school freshman, maybe a sixth grader. But somehow this kid, the youngest in his family, not important in that cultural family setting, somehow this kid had caught the vision that he was supposed to live that the world may know. And that just overpowered me. How in the world can this kid know that at that age when I rarely think about it at whatever age I was at a particular point? So that became the heart of it. In fact, I remember way back 25 years ago right now, when we were beginning to talk about what should we title this project we're involved in. And I wanted that title because I thought it really captured the essence of why God saves people. And I remember not that people didn't like it, but a little bit of resistance because it doesn't abbreviate well. It doesn't make a nice (laughs) acronym. It takes a lot of room on your packaging. But I wanted that word that the world may know. Now, there's a second thing, if I may, that I'd love to share about why that David story is so powerful. He's the youngest, so what he's going to inherit when his father passes away, you could put in your backpack. His older brother's going to get everything. That's how it was done in that culture. So David is relegated to being out in the desert wilderness with the sheep. Now, maybe you saw that in Israel. Shepherds, usually boys or girls that haven't married yet, sometimes older women, but usually boys or girls, when they are out with the sheep, they throw stones almost constantly just constantly. Once in a while, you'll see a slingshot nowadays. Often it's just throwing stones, but the kids will sit there and throw stones. They don't throw them at the sheep. I've seen them throw them to the right to move the flock to the right or to the left to move the flock to the left. So when David came to see his brothers, when Israel and the Philistines were face to face and bring food to them at his father's instruction, he saw that giant and heard his defiant challenge to the God of Israel. And he immediately said, why doesn't somebody do something about this? Typical middle school kid. Why don't we fix this? Why isn't somebody doing something? So he's brought to Saul, and Saul wants to give him armor, weapons, shield. And David says, I don't know anything about them. I don't want to have that. So he takes his stick, goes down to the brook, and he picked up five stones. He's a shepherd. And it struck me years ago that David simply did what he had become good at doing, what he was talented to do and what he had been trained to do. So I 
challenge my students constantly, throw your stone. God has gifted you in something. God has given you a love for something. God has opened doors for you, college next year, military next year, a job next year. When you begin to find what your stone looks like, throw it. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. If you try and throw a stone that isn't your stone, it isn't going to work. Hmm. You throw the stone that God has entrusted to you in that situation. And then you do it, not so the world may know about you. You do it that the world may know what God is like. And I think that's a great way of thinking about our role to live that the world may know. It's really fascinating that David was probably much younger than many of us picture him when he defeated Goliath. And Danny, um, I think there's a relationship here to encouraging kids to kind of find that niche that God has for them or that calling. How do we do that effectively, even when they're young? Well, the seven traits of effective parenting that we've talked about uh, on the show uh, is is a great place to start. And that the book actually comes out in August, John, and I'm excited about that. Excellent. Because of where I'm hoping it leads parents, and that's to teach their kids how to be contributors in God's kingdom rather than consumers. And if we go into God's will as consumers, it's a whole different perspective than if we are contributors, because mm-hmm. we have a role within the contribution that's essential. We have an invitation that's specific to us, and we get to step into that rather than consumers of what what is my will supposed to look like? What is, uh, you know, my calling should have been this. I, I wanted it to be more like that guy. I wanted to have uh, more attention or more fame or other, whatever it is. If we enter as consumers, we may find that our calling is too hard or too difficult or too disappointing. As a contributor, you embrace it, you step into it, you find fulfillment and joy as you serve in God's kingdom as a contributor. And you can start very early teaching your kids how to be a contributor in God's kingdom and to recognize how naturally we are consumers in God's kingdom. It began in the garden Hmm. uh, where Satan flipped it over to become consumers rather than contributors. And from then on, we've struggled with that. And uh, what I'm hoping is that the seven traits help parents teach their kids in all those seven different categories and model that so that they are contributors in God's kingdom and receive the calling wholeheartedly, even if it's a difficult one, Hmm. and step into it with faith. I'm grateful for your heart and your perspective and vision uh, in that regard. And uh, we'll wish you the best as uh, Seven Traits launches, and we'll talk about it more here, I'm sure. Um, we do want to make sure that you um, are aware of the great series, uh, the DVD series that Ray Vanderlaan uh, teaches in. It's called That the World May Know, and the latest installment is uh, our gift to you when you make a contribution of any amount to focus on the family today. Uh, it really is a great resource for sitting down and helping your kids understand God's bigger picture and how to honor God in our secular culture. You can find details about the DVD and make a donation to receive that as our thank you gift. Uh, Just look for the link in the episode notes or give us a call. Next time, we're going to hear more from Ray about helping your child discover their identity in Christ. And for now, on behalf of Danny Huerta and the team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. 